This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. This podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, Minimizers. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists, and it's my freaking birthday episode. It is time to celebrate. Heck yeah. Come on, studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> We have a special guest, my lovely wife. Mar- <laughs> yes. See, Jordan's not clapping because I think he uh, he just doesn't like Mariah is the problem. <laughs> Neither does Sean. This is unbelievable. Well, I'm so sorry, Mariah. Usually we have a much warmer welcome, but I don't know what's going on with... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, they're working whatever magic they're working over there yeah. on the cameras and audio, even though Sh- Sean isn't even plugged in. I'm not sure what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ryan, you said you wanted, you begged, can I please, Mariah, please, can I have a threesome on my birthday? <laughs> Is this what you imagined? It's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. A threesome on my birthday. <laughs> well, happy birthday to you. You're, you're turning 40 uh, mm. as we're recording this. Yeah. Actually, it was three days ago from the day this comes out. So it's really your birthday week, and it's time to celebrate. That's right, man. Birthday week. I've never understood that. Like, it just seems like a... Um, I don't know, an excuse. Yeah, to celebrate all week. To celebrate your birthday all week. Why don't we just have my birthday year? That's <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do that with Ella. You know, she's, she turned eight uh, earlier this year. And, and when I told her it was her birthday month, because her birthday's toward the end of the month, um, she was so excited. Oh, it is? <gasps> it's like, it's wow. not just one day. It's my whole birthday. And we didn't do anything different. Right, yeah. I, I don't do anything different on her birthday versus other, like we. We just celebrate all the time, but like yeah. there was a significance in her mind. I want to talk to you about that today because hmm. turning 40 for a lot of folks is a milestone. Mm. And I would love to get some perspective from Mariah here sure. as well. Yeah. And so I know we've got some audience questions. Before we dive into that, though, on this minimal episode, we're going to talk about the wisdom that is gained from getting older. What is the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Mm. I also want to talk to you about maturity. But on the Maximal episode this Thursday over on Patreon, we're going to disagree about attachment. We're going um, mm. to get some lessons that Ryan has experienced, uh, especially recently. But what have you learned over the last four decades? What have you learned over the last year or so? We're going to talk about that over on Patreon. Plus, we're going to hear about Mariah's relationship. Yeah. That's their couple name, by the way. Mariah Or Rai Rai. Yeah. I kind of like Rai Rai. <laughs> well, I don't even know what that is. Ry Ry. Oh, that's just your name twice. No, Mariah. My nickname's Ry. Ryan. Uh, Ry Ry. All right. Yeah, anyway. Well, well, we'll hear more about their relationship this week on the Maxwell episode, and a little bit here on The Minimal as well. I wanted to start by talking about what is maturity? What is wisdom? Mm. Because I think sometimes <laughs> we confuse maturity with age. Yeah, I don't think I've like figured out what maturity is yet. <laughs> I know wisdom is something you get right after you needed it. 
<laughs> I think that's a, dec- a decent way to look at it, right? Mm. You, you gain wisdom from from experience, mm-hmm. right? And so you don't have it going into experiencing the thing. Right. I, uh, I put together some of my favorite quotes about wisdom. But before we get into that, I'd like to talk about maturity. And I've really understood. You and I know some people who are really young, who are mature. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But we also know some old people who aren't mature at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the, the key indicators of maturity is one's willingness to stop the blame Mm. now that starts with blaming others Mm. but also blaming our circumstances blaming ourselves even and we can take responsibility without pointing the finger or even pointing the finger back at myself Mm. and i think the the most mature people i know are never trying to offload or abdicate their responsibility onto other people. Mm. So you're positing that maturity is taking full responsibility for yourself, your life, your actions rather than, yeah, rather than, yeah. Cause I always like the maturity is like, Oh, I'm not going to make that butt joke, <laughs> you know, like that's mature to not make that, that butt joke. Um, but I love me a good butt joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, what's fascinating about that is the, the, the jokes, the silliness, the childlike behavior. There's so much wisdom mm. in children. Yeah. And don't we use that term pejoratively? You're being so childish. Mm. Yeah. But maybe that's a compliment, yeah. right? So just say thank you if someone <laughs> tells you you're acting childish. And children, when they're really young, they're not blaming anyone for anything. Now, right. as soon as they start to get acculturated, they start to get programmed, and they, they don't want to take responsibility. They start acting like children in that respect. And so maturity is basically seeing the situation for what it is and not blaming other people for my own problems, my own upset, my own anger for the things that arise in me. Yeah. It's not their responsibility. Ooh, I think it also has something, something to do with uh, considering others. So taking people into consideration, because I, I think of like some immature people I know, they're not thinking about how their actions affect others yeah and i mean we're not responsible for other people's happiness or well-being um, but we certainly have an influence over how someone feels yes so yeah i think there's an aspect of maturity there too that you you start to think about how are my actions going to influence others it moves from a sort of me mindset to a we mindset mm. and eventually the people who are most mature that they know what they do and how they do it and how that will affect other people. Mm -hmm. And even if they know that, hey, I'm not responsible for making you angry, if I do something that I know is going to make you angry, I can avoid the anger arising within you. Yeah. And so I think that's a a true sign of maturity. Um, Mar, let's talk about wisdom because you have... You've been with Ryan for, man, how long has it been now? 2013? Yeah, so eight years. Woo. Yeah. Eight years. Eight years, yeah. And Mar is, uh, she's she ju- she's getting ready to turn 27 for the eighth time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I told her that's how I would uh, keep her in my life, just don't ever get older than 27. <laughs> it's worked out really well for you, yeah. huh? Yeah, right, right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's funny, like doing the math on that. 
27th for the eighth time took me a second to, to come up with that well if it's eight years it, it shouldn't have taken you that long <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point so here's some quotes for you about wisdom and i'd love to unpack them with you uh three of my favorite thinkers anthony DeMello, kapil gupta and jay krishnamurti have have some quotes here here's what uh, anthony DeMello says wisdom tends to grow in proportion to one's awareness of one's ignorance mm. man i was i was uh so much smarter when I was 21 <laughs> and so much less wise yeah. because I think we sort of cling to our rightness and there's no wisdom in clinging. There's no wisdom in being right. There's no ne wisdom in needing to be right either. Mm. Here's another quote from uh, Kapil yeah. Gupta. Yeah. Wisdom lies in investigating one's foolishness, not correcting it. Mm. So, so, investigating our own because we're all foolish to some extent now that could mean just foolish because we've been programmed with a misunderstanding of the way that things are um or we're just ignorant to what's going on now of course what the society do it tells us to correct these things that's mm. not what wisdom is mm. wisdom is simply understanding that foolishness and i think if you understand it wholly in any particular area it begins to sort of dissipate on its own yeah. You no longer need to be so right all the time. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the older I get, the more I realize like I don't know. Mm. <laughs> it's I mean, I know some things, but I I I don't know more than what I do know. <laughs> well, knowing and wisdom I think are a little bit different too. Hmm. Not in a definitional sense, but like let's talk about what the the difference but because I used to I mean, I think we use them interchangeably and that's fine if we meet and whatever we mean, that's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But knowledge is one thing so like i can pick up an encyclopedia and read about a, a boat mm -hmm. and never have been on a boat yeah and, and i can learn about the sail and how the boat is built and i can have a thorough intellectual understanding of boats and sailing mm -hmm. but wisdom comes from that first time i get seasickness yeah you can't get that from the encyclopedia it's true and Absolutely. so there's something there about experience immersive experience that brings us wisdom and that's why i wanted to talk to you about this today because you have 40 years of experience mm -hmm. and and so there is the you can have the understanding uh, in fact anthony DeMello has this great parable about uh, if he walks into a room right now and there was a pit viper just crawling on him and he's like hey guys uh, you know what i read the encyclopedia britannica and it told me this pit viper you know what if it bit me right now, I would die in 30 seconds. Mm. Could you please give me uh, some instructions on how I might remove this pit viper from my arm? Mm. That's knowledge. I, I've read all about the pit viper, the color. It gets up to six feet in length. And, and I know I have all of this knowledge. Mm -hmm. But there's no wisdom in, in any of that. Mm. Because wisdom would be, okay, I need to remove this from me immediately. Otherwise, mm. I'm in grave, grave danger. Mm. And so I think there's something about the experience there that it, it, that makes it different from the knowledge itself. I think it's one of the reasons that just reading books on their own can be so um, they can be fine, but it may actually prevent us from getting the wisdom that mm. we get a whole bunch of knowledge without actually gaining the experience of wisdom. Here's mm. one more quote for you from Jay Krishnamurti. There is freedom only in seeing the truth of what is, and wisdom is the perception of that truth. Mm. So, not the way that I wish things would be, if only 
X, Y, and Z would happen, then I'll be happy. If only these circumstances would conform to my preferences, then this will happen. Well, that's not, that's not wisdom. Mm-hmm. Wisdom is seeing things for how they are right now. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way we get that is through the experience. Yeah. So in turning 40, are you celebrating? What are y'all doing, Mark? Oh, yeah. What are we doing, honey? I think we're going to go to the Van Gogh exhibit. Yeah. And then make Ryan's favorite German dinner. That's right. Yeah. She's just a bunch of bratwursts. <laughs> <laughs> she just boils up a pot of them and pours them on my face. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to kink shame you. Whatever you're into. Yeah. No, she she does such a good job. Uh, she recreates like what my Oma uh, has done in the past. And she's been able to experience that meal that my, that my Oma makes. Um, but yeah, it's just like... It's potato dumplings, sauerkraut, German potato salad, and uh, some like delicious pork, pork chops, pork loin. Yeah, normally no, it's, it's like not a- schnitzel. <laughs> no, schnitzel is like the cliche German thing that when we went to Germany, like we went out of we we arrived in Berlin, and we went out of our way to go find some schnitzel, and we had it, and it was great. We're like, oh, this is good. And then we went to um, Bavaria to like like Munich where my grand my Oma my grandma's from, and after like the sixth schnitzel down there, we were like, all right, no more schnitzel. Like you get sick of it pretty quickly. <laughs> anyway, well, happy birthday to you. We got some questions here from our audience. Do it, Caitlin from Facebook has a question for us. How have your needs in a romantic partnership changed as you move towards your forties? Hmm. Mar, how have your needs changed since you've been with Ryan? Do you feel like your needs have changed at all? Oh, good. Because I was going to say, I'm not anywhere near 40. (laughs) Um, uh, My needs, how have they changed? I think that my needs have changed just in the way that I have um, matured, if Uh you will, and knowing that... um, Ryan just augments and make my life better, but he's not responsible for any sort of happiness or the way that I feel in general. Mm. And so I'm responsible for that. And then, um, yeah, I would say that's the biggest, that biggest sounds, change. It sounds mm. to me like there's almost a decluttering of the need. I think one of the things that we do when we're really young is we're very needy. Mm. In, in fact, you know, we're going to talk about this a bit on the Maximal episode because attachment, kids are naturally attached to their parents. Mm. But then there is this period where we have this period in our teens usually there's this period of rebellion. You went through it, you went through it, I went through. Sure. And it varies by individual. Some people go really wild in their teenage years. My wife was certainly that way. Mm. Um, now other people, they just rebel slightly, you know, it's like, oh, my dad wanted me to be a philosopher, but I decided to be a psychologist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's how I rebelled. Right. Yeah, wh- whatever it is, there's a slight rebellion. So it's, I'm going to be my own person. Mm. But then what do we do when we become, when we, when we grow up and we start getting in these relationships with other people? Oh, I need you for my happiness. Mm. I need you for my contentment. Mm. I need you for pleasure. I need you to complete me. Mm. And what's beautiful about what you just said, Mar, is like there isn't you're already complete without Ryan. Mm. And and the word you used, I think, was augment. And Ryan augments your life in really beautiful ways. Uh, he might drive you crazy sometimes too. <laughs> no, never. Uh, <laughs> but but even if he drives you crazy or if he drives me crazy, that's that has something to do with our expectations. And an expectation is a type of need. It's needing some sort of outcome in the future. And so I think in a way, Ryan, by by getting older, one of the things we do is 
by getting more wise, I should say, mm. often correlates with getting older, we start to drop some of those superfluous needs in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's an interesting question because I'm, I'm trying to think like the biggest, just in general, things that have changed in uh, the way I approach a romantic relationship over the last 40 years. Um, if anything, it's all at all, it has nothing to do with my needs as much as it has to do with like who I am in the relationship and how I contribute and also like how I react to certain situations. I mean, uh, I very much like, you know, my feelings would get hurt very easily in different ways. And when my, you know, hurt people hurt back. Um, so I have had to like kind of recognize that in myself and not hurt back. Can you um, maybe talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that's that's really helpful for the audience who's listening. Because what you're saying is in previous relationships, if someone hurt you because you had a particular need, mm -hmm. you would then lash out at them in, in some way? Sure. I mean, whether it's like, uh, you know, it's, yeah, someone, you know, a, a, one of my partners would say something, I don't know, man, uh, you know, you don't do x y or z and maybe it's true mm -hmm. and i can look at that and be like oh wow they're right um now i'm hurt and now i'm so hurt like i want them to feel the same hurt that i'm feeling so then i would go back and be like well you know what you don't do a b or c yeah and then it just you know that's that's escalating the situation so maybe that's another way of looking at it is i just really have gone out of my way to de-escalate as much as possible in in the relationship uh, i don't need to yeah to hurt someone back when they hurt me essentially yeah, yeah. That, that sort of what aboutism that's a never-ending yeah. cycle oh you didn't do this well what yeah. about when you didn't do or i didn't do this what about when you didn't do this For sure yeah. and then and then we get really caught up in it because that is the self-righteousness right mm -hmm. yeah um i need and i think the problem is like Yes, you may have said, I didn't do X, Y, and Z, right? I didn't do the dishes. I didn't clean up after myself. Uh, I wasn't considerate. Yes, sure. I forgot your birthday. Oh, but what about when you did this? Right. I, somehow that justifies my bad action. Right. right. Yeah. And also, it presupposes those are bad actions. Mm -hmm. Maybe it, there's a, an expectation um, gap on both sides. Mm -hmm. Yes, I didn't do that, that, and that. I, are you saying that I'm supposed to do these things mm. or that was your expectation? Yes, I can be sorry that I didn't meet your expectation, mm. but your expectation has very little to do with me. It's an expectation of me yeah. in a way. Yeah. I, I feel like y'all have, have let go of many of those expectations. I've seen that between the two of you. Yeah. I think so. And I think one of the other biggest changes is um, you said you react to a lot of things. And I know like most of my life, I've just been reacting to everything that happens. But I think one of the biggest um, growing moments is learning how to respond as opposed to react and yeah. to be able to take what you say instead of just lashing out. Cause I know I, I was a big hurting back type person for a mm -hmm. long time of taking it, internalizing it, thinking about it and responding as opposed to just lashing reacting. out yeah that's no, a good that's a good yeah you said reacting versus responding responding yeah no that's good yeah i one of the ways that i can kind of catch myself in those moments is like i will try not to take offense like when someone hurts my feelings the like the question i have to ask myself is like if Mariah says something and hurts my feelings which i can't think of last time she's done that but i gotta ask myself like oh is she trying to hurt my feelings or am I just responding to this uh, in a way that she didn't intend, 
you know, the, the, the context, she didn't intend that context. So that will help me to, to, uh, to respond a little bit better than just reacting off of that hurt. I can kind of catch myself and, and, and really dive into like, what, what are they trying to mean? You do this with me all the time. Like I'll, I'll say something and Josh is like, now I know you don't mean to be a jerk. <laughs> so I'm not taking it that way. <laughs> but you know what you said, what, like I always say not terrible. Like, yeah. Whenever Ryan compliments you on something, mm-hmm. Hey, that shirt doesn't look terrible on you. And he means it as like, that looks awesome. Right. But, yeah. but the way that it comes out, I, I, there's some programming there. Right. Um, and I know what you mean mm-hmm. by that. And so, I, but I, the reason I, I will bring that up sometimes, because when you say it to other people, when I hear you say it to other people, yeah. I can see their faces sometimes. And oh. they're like, did he just say it was kind of terrible? Oh, or? yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I mean, you know, questioning, uh, or not questioning, but rather not questioning intent and just taking something for what it is. Right. Helps, yeah. helps me to respond a little bit better. That's actually one of the four agreements not to take anything personally. Yes. Yeah. I've found that I take everything personally <laughs> and it causes me a lot of, uh, internal, uh, problems. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of worry, you know, worrying yeah. is just praying for bad things to happen in the future. Yeah. You could tweet that podcast, John. <laughs> the four, the four agreements. Talk to us about is that the is that the book? That's the book, the yeah. four agreements. Okay, and they actually do make a lot of sense. And like that one specifically, I think it's been super helpful. I actually yeah. just reread that book um, a couple weeks ago, and I think that was for me. I was like, oh, that is that's huge. Don't think take things so personal because <laughs> you're well, right. Like you don't yeah. know what everyone's intent is, and nine times out of ten, they're probably just focused on whatever is going on with them, and you're not really a factor in. 100%. process. Well, yeah, it's like when someone says something negative, especially a romantic partner, like a, it's going to, it's going to feel worse than what it actually is just because, you know, you have such a close relationship, but you know, your partner, if they're, if they're saying something that maybe sounds negative, like you're right, like they're projecting a feeling that they have inside and it's really that negative comment is really about them. It's not about you. Sure. Yeah, and even a negative comment is just how one perceives it. There's no such thing as a negative comment. Sure, that it, in in the sense that like um, Ryan, your shirt is large. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a fact, right? Yeah, it's sure. literally a large. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but like someone could perceive that three or four or seven hundred and fifty different ways. Yeah, yeah. And and so what I'm saying to you, or when you say when Mariah hurts my feelings, it's not possible for her, mm-hmm. her to hurt your feelings. Mm. It's possible for me to interpret it as, Oh, Mariah just hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. But the true sign of maturity, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode is saying uh, what you just said, like, Oh, that wasn't her intention to hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. But even if it is her intention, in fact, especially if it was Mariah's intention to hurt my feelings, mm-hmm. my feelings would actually be less hurt because then I just know like, stay away from this person who wants to hurt my feelings. Right. That's like, yeah, that's how I look at, uh, you know, any, which we don't, I don't get a ton of them, but you know, someone comes at me on Twitter or something. I'm just like, Oh, like this person is intending to make me feel bad, which really just tells me that they're the ones who are really feeling bad. And I kind of can approach it from a more compassionate standpoint than a defensive standpoint. That's really helpful. We have a question here from Alexis in Galveston, Texas. What advice would you give to people who live with other people and they don't share the same views about minimalism? Alexis, I'm going to rephrase your question here to apply to Ryan and Mariah, and then I think we can expand it out to the 
the broader world in general. So are Ryan and Mariah always in agreement regarding their minimalist practices? And if not, how do they find compromise with one another? Mm. So another way to ask that question is, do you always agree on everything? <laughs> Mar? Of course not. Yeah, I was going to say, no, we probably don't agree on everything, but we're pretty well, we compromise really well. Mm. Like I think we respect each other enough to... Um, take each other's preferences into consideration and um, do our best to respect those. Yeah. Well, you know, Mariah does so much for our relationship that like I go out of my way to see where I can do something for her. So the easiest thing for me to do really is to honor her preferences. I mean, most of her preferences are very reasonable. So Anytime that I'm like, well, I prefer it this way. Mariah prefers it that way. Like I can think to myself like, shit, man, she does so much for this relationship. Like this is a pretty easy compromise for me to, for me to uh, bend with her preference Mm -hmm. and she will do the same exact thing. And that's, I mean, I think that's with any romantic relationship or relationship in general, man. Yes. It's like, you have to go out of your way to respect the other person's preferences. Mm -hmm. Look for reasons to respect their preferences. Um, Because when the big stuff happens, I can't even think of a, something big that we haven't been able to compromise on, but there are big things, right? Like, yeah, like, you know, like we, we got a, you know, that raw four not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the last thing where I was like, Oh, I really want to get a Tacoma. Cause I used to drive Tacomas. Yes. And, uh, you know, Mariah like shared her preference of like, Oh, I'd rather not. I'd rather do something a little bit more, you know, fuel efficient, fuel efficient wise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, like it's a very easy thing for me to be like, okay, to me, picking this battle to like fight for a Tacoma is stupid. Like yeah. <laughs> it would be so dumb. But, but I think what happens in relationships, like if I was to really put, you know, put my, plant my flag in that, uh, that hill and I'm willing to die on, no, I want a Tacoma. We're going to get a Tacoma. There's so much more deeper. There's so much deeper issues going on than just most Tacoma. Likely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're illuminating here is there's a difference between compromising your preferences and compromising your values. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. Now, for some reason, you really deeply valued owning a Toyota Tacoma and you could articulate that to Mariah. I don't think it would have been a problem there either. Probably not. But you realize like, oh, this is just a preference thing, right? And I'm willing to give up on this because I'm not really sacrificing a preference. What is your real preference? To have a vehicle to go where you need to go when right. you need to go there. Yes, and the emblem on it doesn't really matter that much, right? No. Even the functionality doesn't really matter to you that much. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say that you valued it because you need to haul lumber every week. Well, that's mm-hmm. a different thing, right? It, if, it, if it aids one of your values, you don't want to compromise your values for the relationship. Mm-hmm. Bex and I got into this recently uh, on her podcast, How to Love, because uh, well, I, I realized like, oh, there are some things I've been compromising my values on in our relationship, and it was making me miserable. Yeah. And in fact, we 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 did this relation this uh, episode called "The Misery of Dependence." When we become dependent on someone, it can make us miserable. Dependent for our happiness, dependent for income, dependent on uh, if we need the other person mm-hmm. in any way. That's a type of expectation, and those expectations often make us miserable. And so, yes, we're all going to have different preferences, and I think we need to honor those preferences. If we don't honor them, then we're not being considerate, and yeah. that's a sign of immaturity. Like, I, I'm, If I'm not being considerate to Mariah, mm-hmm. then am I really being 
the best version of myself. Yeah. But if I'm being too considerate, if I'm addicted to to Bex, for example, mm-hmm. the, the to, I'm addicted to making her happy, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, I've I've started compromising my values and the person I want to be in order for an outcome for someone else. Here's the irony of that. I can't make Bex happy. Mm. You can't make Mariah happy. In the moment, it can feel like that, mm-hmm. but it's up to her to respond however she wants to respond. And you can support her, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you're going to get the outcome that you want within her necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, uh, yeah. Every time we... we uh we talk about, you know, the absolutes of you can't make someone happy or make them unhappy. And, you know, all these, like, I, I don't know why, but my brain goes to like these, these instances where it's like, yeah, of course yeah. you can't, you don't have, you're not responsible for someone else's happiness. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I uh, cheated on Mariah, mm-hmm. then like, that's going to, I know that that's going to create unhappiness within her. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not about making the other person happy, but it's about, really getting clear on yeah what what are the boundaries i was gonna say expectations but boundaries is probably a better way to look at it like what are the boundaries of the relationship Mm -hmm. um and just yeah getting getting clear on that but i think the biggest lesson from this really is like that i've learned is the more that i give to the relationship the more i get from the relationship Mm. now if i was with mariah and like i i was constantly bending on my preferences and she wasn't bending on any of her preferences. And it was this, you know, that us box just really had all my actions in there. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. And then I would have to look at that or vice versa. Yeah, of course. That's what happened to me and, and Colleen when I wrote about it and everything that remains is mm-hmm. I realized I stopped contributing to the us box in the middle of the relationship, yeah. but I was still taking from the us box. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, no one I'm, a, I'm being parasitic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if I'm just taking, not giving. Now, it's not about giving. It's not quid pro quo. No. That's not what you're talking about at all. Of course not. I'm contributing 51%. She's only contributing 49 And that yeah. therefore, I'm 1% discontented. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's giving what you can when you can give it. And there are different seasons in life. When my health problems were their worst back in 2019, I was barely able to contribute at all to the us box yeah. in my marriage. And so understanding that you can give what you can, when you start compromising, your values that's a problem well why is it a problem quite often it's a problem because we don't know what our values are Mm. so alexis i'm going to send you a copy of our book it's called love people use things because the opposite never works there's a values worksheet in the book in fact there's an entire chapter in there about our relationship with our values ryan and i have identified these four different types of values you have these foundational values you have structural values surface values and the dangerous ones, the imaginary values. Mm. And that can be a Toyota Tacoma. It could be, <laughs> oh, I really, really value this. I'm willing to sacrifice everything, all of my, my relationships and, and, mm. and the people I care about just so I can get that pickup truck that I really want. Man, that's a, that's a good observation because I'm imagining there are a lot of couples out there who are having very tumultuous relationships because they're planting their flag in the imaginary values hill yeah and not realizing again if that's if someone's in that relationship there's something so much deeper going on than a tacoma that's right yeah now tacoma for you it could be it could be a surface value sure where it's a preference that's yeah. really how i look at of surface course. values and those things change all the time that's mm-hmm. the, the cool thing about surface values it's like the surface of your house you might paint a new coat on the wall you you could change the siding on the house and all of a sudden it completely changes 
and your preferences are the same way. Your surface values change as your interests change. As you mature and get wiser, many of those surface values will change as well. And many of them will start to become imaginary values. And if you see them for what they are, you'll be able to drop them. So Alexis, we'll send you the book book version or the ebook version or the audiobook version, which Ryan and I read ourselves. If anyone, anyone else want to like check that out, you can just go to uh, theminimalists.com. You can find all of our books over there. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages, text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Now, Mar, you know this. During the lightning <laughs> round, this is where we do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place. Thanks to our good friend, Jessica Lynn Williams, minimalmaxims.com. We got a question here from Ari. How do you find equilibrium in your relationship when an individual is on their minimalist journey, but their partner is not? There's some interesting words in this question. So individual and partner and and also a relationship. So in the truest sense, a relationship is not a, a, a real thing. It's a concept. It's, it's how two people get along or interact with each other, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not the separate thing, um, although we, we can look at that uh, conceptually. So here's my pithy answer. I want to talk about it. So I just took an old phrase and, and reworked it. Here's my pithy answer. It takes two to tangle. Ayo. <laughs> I see what you did there. So if something is complex, it just means two or more things are interwoven together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that the, that's the Latin root of it. To interweave is complex. And so it, we quite often get really tangled up with the person we love. But what tangles us? It's almost always our desire for something to happen in the future. We're never tangled. Think about the most precious times in your relationship the, the times that were most joyous, most fun, most loving, it wasn't about the future. It was always about what is going on right now. That, that sunset you watch together on the beach, you know, the hike in the Hollywood Hills, snowboarding in Montana together, just sitting by the fireplace and staring in each other's eyes. There is this moment where there isn't something on the horizon for you. It's all unfolding in front of you right now. There's no tangling of the two of you. It's just the two of you. You're present. You're there. And that's, that's love. There's no expectation. And there's really no attachment either. Attachment has to do with the future as well. Mm. And we pick up those attachments all the time. I'm not saying attachments are wrong. You shouldn't have attachments. We'll talk about that on the Maximal episode as well. But the tangling, what happens when we get tangled? well, we start to lose our individuality, mm. right? And that's the thing I was talking to Bex about. When I started compromising my values, I became tangled with, it wasn't even her expectations. It was what I thought she wanted. Mm. And don't we do that sometimes? Like, oh, he'll be happy. She'll be happy. They will be happy if I just do these three things. Mm. Of course, that never works, not long term. It extinguishes some sort of immediate discontent, but then new expectations always arise from that. Yeah. I think it's unfortunate that Ari, there's something going on where, you know, someone is saying, my minimalist journey can't be complete unless my partner's minimalist journey is also 
in the process of being completed. Yeah. And that is, um, I don't, it's just unfortunate because, you know, I don't have to have, uh, uh, Mariah does not have to have the same preferences as me or the same lifestyle. I mean, I love Mariah for who she is. She loves me for who I am. So never would I be like, oh, I would be healthier if you X. Yes. And, and I mean, that's just kind of a, that's the blame. Yeah, it's the blame. And it's not that it doesn't mean that Ari's wrong here or the feelings are wrong, but these feelings do arise. The question is, is like, how do we process these feelings? So my pithy answer is compliance is not a prerequisite for love. So another way to say that is their journey is not my journey. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get caught up a lot. Um, when, when I hear people talk, like, you know, when we were in Denver and that <laughs> poor guy, his wife gets up to the microphone and she starts like, basically ragging him for the garage and how can I get him to do this? And how can I help him understand? How and, can I convince him? She said, yeah, how can I convince him? And it's like, there's no convincing. Like if you love your husband and they did, there was a lot of love in that relationship. I could see mm -hmm. it's like, love is not convincing someone. Love is accepting someone for who they are. And it's about, uh, yeah, it's about finding a common ground with each other. So, you know, like if Mariah wanted to take a room and just have it filled with clutter, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not my preference, but like, I'd be like, all right, fine. I mean, dude, when we first met, how many pairs of shoes did you have when we first met? A well, I think it's really cute because you used to always say I had 30 pairs of shoes when we first met, but it was like 130 pairs. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Oh, she did too. But the, the reason you were trying to be nice is, is what you were saying is in your mind, Oh, 130 is bad. There's nothing wrong with having 130 pairs of shoes. Yeah. Like, there's nothing morally wrong about it, right? If that's your preference, it's your preference. If you want to have a mausoleum of shoes, mm -hmm. that's fine. Yeah, it, yeah, I'm kidding about being nice. Really, what it was is, is my mind, I could only picture 30 pairs. Right. Not realizing <laughs> it was That was a really actually, big number for him, right. pairs of shoes. <laughs> right, have. for me. Yeah, not realizing it was 130 pair. Ryan has half a pair of shoes. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> If you call them shoes. Oh, man. Oh, well, Ryan, let's let's just expand on this a little bit before we wrap this up here. Yeah. So the, the question here, and I think you really illuminated that, it, the, the problem with the question is there's a question beneath this question. Mm -hmm. How do I find equilibrium in my relationship when I'm not on the same journey as my partner? Mm. This question presupposes that I'm supposed to be on the same exact journey. I'm supposed to be perfectly aligned simpatico mm -hmm. with the other person all of the time but that's not what makes a relationship interesting or fun mm. or loving mm -hmm. in fact when that lady the thing that i talked to her about uh in in denver mm -hmm. when she came up to the mic she was trying to she said how do i convince him to get rid of the clutter in his garage and and what I wanted to explain to her in that moment is to convince him is to unlove him. In fact, I think that's what I said to her. Yeah, yeah. And so anytime we try to convince someone that we are, our viewpoint is singularly right, we've put up a barrier to love. We're now missing out on the love mm. that is right there in you mm. happening all the time. We put up these barriers because we think you should behave this way. You should behave this way. You, you, and you should behave this way. And that's how you're going to get my like, my love, mm. my applause, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's how you know that I care about you if we're always on the same page. Well, you don't have yeah. to be on the same page. Right. I think about like different journeys you're on, Mariah, with uh, like your art, with uh, even the environmental stuff. 
and you don't, you don't like, you don't pressure me to follow along with you in those journeys. So I don't know. Do you have anything to add to the, how you can separate the, your journey from my journey? Cause you really like, she's never like, we should do this. We should do that. I try not to be too prescriptive, but I would say that even if you were to be on the same minimalist journey, your perspective and experience would be completely different than the other person. So even if you're trying to be on the same journey, you're never going to be on the same journey. So there's no point in really trying to be on the same journey. Mm. I think it's about being on your own journey and finding the people around you who can support you and love you through that journey. Mm. And maybe ideally, I think if you have a partner that maybe you're on your own separate journeys, but maybe you're moving in the same direction Mm. or um, playing on the same team in a way. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I'm on my own journey. You're on your own journey. Um, hopefully that 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 they converge and yeah, that, and that they you know that they um, they complement each other. Thank you. That's yeah. What yeah well, I'm, I'm thinking but, you conjured up this image in my head of like you're playing like doubles tennis, mm-hmm. and you would never want the two people to always make the same motion throughout the tennis match. Right. Exactly. I mean, it'd look really cool. It'd look like a synchronized <laughs> dance. Right. But it would not be very effective in accomplishing what you want to accomplish together. In fact, yeah. it would be counterintuitive. It would it would be counter to the things that you want to do together. Mm-hmm. That's it's not complementing each other if you're doing the same exact thing on the same journey yeah. throughout. You don't want the same exact behaviors all the time. Yeah, it made me think how you could be on this, even if you were on the same journey, you're on two different roads. You're on two different paths. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even if like you, even if Ari could convince their partner to be a minimalist, they're going to be in two separate, yeah, like you said, two separate journeys or two two separate roads. Uh, another thing it made me think of was... Um, like support is more effective than coercion for sure Mm. yeah and so i think i think the equilibrium comes when you can um recognize the path that your partner's on and respect it and support them um and if it's a path that you are really like can't get behind then maybe that's not the partnership for you Mm. amen yeah man we got so much more to talk about but first emma the immigrant what do you have for us here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners Hello, Josh and Ryan. My name is Mandy Bender. I am calling from Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm calling today because I have a great solution for what to do with an old wedding dress, especially if it's kind of outdated and not likely to be worn again. The hospitals in my area have a wonderful program. They have volunteers who take old wedding dresses and make burial gowns for infants. I think this is a great way to honor these children, and I know it is something the families mourning the loss of a child will find value in. Hi, this is Jesse Hazelwood in Austin, Texas, and I was listening to the podcast and a woman commented about what's next. I've decluttered and now what's next. And I think that I've experienced some of the anxiety that I heard in her voice about, okay, now, now what? And I think that I personally still feel the need to veg out and not work. And, but at the same time, I will go and check my email, and now that is a joy to me because I've cleaned it out, and the emails that I'm getting are telling me that I've got a new podcast, or it's my favorite um, shopping site. I really like fashion and researching fashion, and um, but I get to sit down and enjoy that and not worry about, oh, this isn't clean. My house is 
cluttered and I need to get up and do something and have that extra layer of anxiety on top. And then also playing my guitar when I'm playing it, I'm not worried about all the things that I need to do. I can actually sit down and enjoy doing the things that I want and and finding joy in my life. All right, Ryan, I want to talk to you about the hedonic treadmill in a second. But first, we have to thank your wife for joining us today. Yes. Big thanks to Mariah Coom, Schneeberger, Nicodemus. <laughs> Isn't she lovely? No, no, no. We haven't gotten to the added value segment yet, oh, Ryan. my fault. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. By the way, last week we had Mel Robbins on the podcast, The High Five Habit. And I realized why I haven't been excited to do it because hmm. i'm real ocd and i have there's smudges all over my mirror now <laughs> that's like, it's funny because she brings that up in her book where yeah. she's like i know you're worried about smudges trust me it's worth the smudges well I, I, I just have an extra you know window cleaner glass cleaner there in the bathroom now and i'll high five the mirror immediately just clean it off real quick <laughs> and so it's the best of both worlds nice i can maintain my composure my sanity and also love myself yeah. a little bit more and you can clean as you go anyway this week uh this thursday mariah is going to join us for a long form conversation over on patreon that's the minimalist private podcast patreon.com slash the minimalist but first ryan i want to talk to you about the hedonic treadmill Mm. so you and i have been touring a lot over the last 10 years yes 11 years so this is our 10th tour we're actually right in the middle of it right Mm now Mm -hmm. 10 tours in 11 years it's the love people use things tour we're doing 20 cities throughout the united states and canada and we were talking while we were on the road this last trip we were out in uh, where the heck were we Orlando, yeah, and we were in Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh my gosh, Atlanta was such an amazing tour stop. Yeah, it was great. By the way, all these tour stops—if you can't attend any of them, Mm -hmm. if you want to, great. But if you can't, they're all going to be available on Patreon as we release those in the coming weeks and months. But as we were touring, Ryan, we we stayed in St. Petersburg, Florida, because we have Mm -hmm. a, a coffee shop there. Yeah, we show up at the hotel, and it's a really nice hotel. It's a True by Hilton. Very nice. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I just noticed like the, the first time I get it, like, oh, this room's kind of small. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this isn't as good as the Hilton Garden Inn we stayed at three weeks ago or whatever. No, man. It's just, it's never enough. I, I mean, I have to remind myself when I get in that state of how you, at one point, you, Colin, and me mm-hmm. had to share a king-size bed. There was one. <laughs> You're right. There was one night we the three of us shared a futon. Oh, that's right. In Austin. Yeah. Yeah, we were in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And and so but there were also nights, plenty of nights, Ryan, where we slept in your Toyota Corolla. Mm-hmm. And we would have begged to be, to be in a room like that. Mm. And so this is a cautionary tale for everyone. Even the minimalists are not immune to the hedonic treadmills. Yeah. As soon as you become accustomed to something and become very comfortable with it, then as soon as you remove that thing from your life, mm. it's like, oh, wait a minute, but this isn't as good. And this is when we talk about comparison being the thief of our joy yeah it's really the thief of our contentment Mm. because we start looking for these little things that are wrong and i guarantee you if you look for something wrong you're gonna find it yeah you know i don't think anyone is immune to the hedonic treadmill i mean maybe there's like a mystic out there you know a, a buddhist or someone but for all intents and purposes 
hardly anyone is immune to the hedonic treadmill. Yes. It's really about like, how do you deal up with these? How do you deal when the, uh, with these impulses when they come up in your life? Right. That's the power is being able to confront them, not to ignore them, not to push them away, not to, not to uh, not have these impulses, but really how do you deal with them when they come up? Because they come up for most people. And, how, and if you see them for what they are, oh, this is absurd. Mm-hmm. Because how awesome, how lucky am I to be here right now getting to do this? Mm-hmm. And it's a reframing, but it's not a disingenuous reframe. And it's not like a just uh, grit your teeth and bear it. No, 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 no. This is one of the luckiest things we ever get to do. We get to yeah. go out on these tour stops. By the way, I put a list together here, Ryan. We've had a bunch of surprise guests. Now, we haven't announced these guests because they've truly been a surprise. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to talk. We've got half the tour still coming up in January and February. But we had Dr. John Deloney, who joined us in Houston. We had Ian Cron. What a great stop in Dallas. Mm, I can't wait till he comes back on the show, man. Yeah. Yeah. We had VVE in Salt Lake City. Yeah. They did both of our soundtracks and they performed music. We've had some special musical guests. Amy Stroop joined us in Nashville. What a dream come true, man. Oh, my gosh. That was awesome. Her voice is so lovely. And her album, Tunnel, we mm. got to talk about it on stage after the fact, but she's she's amazing. Yeah. Canyon City joined us. The Bergamot joined us in yeah. several cities as well. Joanne Cacciatore, Dr. Joanne Cacciatore, mm-hmm. she wrote a book called Grieving is Loving. We talked about grief and trauma and death as well. Man, and that was a special event. Man. It really was. Yeah. And then Anthony O'Neill was supposed to join us. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're calling him out on our I podcast. I have to. I love yeah. Anthony O'Neill. Yeah. And so we're in Orlando getting ready to go on stage. It's eight <laughs> minutes before, before we go on stage, right? And so, by the way, this is our Right Here, Right Now segment. I really want to bring this back into doing more of these where it really is like, what's going on in the life of the minimalist? Mm. We're eight minutes from going on stage. I text Anthony, hey, man, you almost here? And he calls me immediately. He goes, don't tell me I'm supposed to be in Orlando right now. <laughs> I'm like, Anthony, funny joke. Ha ha. Right. Now's not the time Got for me. it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a third chair on stage for a reason. Right. He's like, oh, I didn't real. And you know, look, yeah. I know it's honest mistake on his part sure. and, and, and whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll have him back on the podcast at some point. We absolutely love Anthony O'Neill. But um, yeah. I think ultimately we just got to blame ourselves, man. I well, mean, well, or or we can ask people to tweet at him. <laughs> oh yes, and right. just give him a kind hard time. Yes, yes. Anthony O'Neill, he's one of our favorites, and of course T.K. Coleman joined us for two tour stops: Atlanta and Nashville. Heck yeah, Atlanta was one of my favorite tour stops we've ever done. Period. Wow. Unbelievable. You'll be able to listen to that really soon. And by the way, who knows? TK might join us for three or four more other tour stops. Who knows? Wink, wink. He could even be there with Seth Godin at one of our tour stops (laughs) in the near future at an event that is about to sell out. So, Mm. uh, by the way, we've got a bunch of other people. I'm not going to ruin the surprises for you, but uh, let's just say maybe Danae Barahona will join us. Mm. She is awesome, so she might join us. Maybe Emily Oster is going to join us in an event. Maybe Lisa. Lampanelli will be at one of the events Mm. maybe a bunch of surprise musical guests at these events maybe surprises in every single city we got 11 more cities to go we'll be in New York and Boston and DC and Chicago and Toronto and Minneapolis and Columbus and LA and San Francisco and Seattle ooh, and Vancouver and probably somewhere else that I missed as well yeah but are we going to Toronto did you say Toronto I did say Toronto okay Yep. And the musical guests there, oh, oh, I can't wait. I can't tell you, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a beautiful, 
beautiful surprise. Love People Use Things is the name of the tour. Theminimalists.com slash tour to find your closest city. Now, Ryan, since we've got out of the, the hedonic treadmill, we've recognized, oh, wow, what a... What a beautiful thing this is. Here's another beautiful thing for you. Our added value segment this week. We're going to change this up a little bit. This is the last time you're going to hear a song on the public version of our podcast. Mm. There's certain copyright restrictions. So we'll stu- still do added value segments. We'll still recommend music or not even recommend, but share what's adding value to our lives. Uh, next week, we're going to recommend some products that add value to our lives mm. as well. You're actually standing on one right now. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be hair products. <laughs> yeah, he's standing on some hair products. <laughs> it makes him look taller. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, so we are going to play a song out, but this is going to be the last time you hear a song on the public podcast. Now, on the private podcast, what we'll do is we'll just play you out every episode because we can do whatever we want on the private podcast. That's right. No one's watching. That's right. Take that FCC. Yeah, take that government. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's more just YouTube yeah. being yeah frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this week, I know you and Mariah really enjoy Lee DeWise's music. Yeah. And by the way, he might be a special guest in some of the upcoming cities. Maybe. Yeah. You'll <laughs> have to see he just came out with a new album lead to wise the album is called ghost stories phenomenal album yes it's truly wonderful i was driving with uh, bex recently and this album came on and then this song came on and she just looked over at me and she goes yeah this <laughs> is the one mm. so enjoy this song it's called quicksand by lead to wise by the way we have a, a bunch more surprise questions this week ryan like why do some people cling to toxic jobs or work environments how did ryan and mariah navigate moving in together when it came to both of their material possessions and what has been ryan's greatest takeaway from the past 10 years now that he is turning 40 let's look back at his 30s and find the biggest takeaway plus a million other questions for mariah and The Minimalists. And if you want to hear all that, check out The Minimalist private podcast this week. Visit patreon.com slash The Minimalist to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. It's a completely separate podcast every single Thursday. By the way, you'll also gain immediate access to hundreds of hours of private archives, recordings of our live events, monthly Ask the Minimalist Anything sessions, and our private community of thousands of open-minded minimizers just like you. Subscribe today, patreon.com slash the minimalists you can follow the minimalists on facebook twitter and instagram at the minimalists come to one of our live podcast shows visit the minimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you if you have a question comment or minimalism tip for our podcast just email us a voice memo podcast at the minimalists.com you can comment on this episode over at youtube.com slash the minimalists and if you want our show notes in your inbox sign up for our email list at the minimalists.com we'll never send you spam we'll never send you junk we'll never send you advertisements but you will receive our simple sunday email newsletter for free and if you leave here today with just one message let it be this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for listening y'all we'll see you next time <laughs>